advice do you generally try to give to the young entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs early in their journey as you talk to those? I think it kind of depends on kind of the room that you're in, certainly. But one thing that I kind of touched on a little bit earlier is, you know, I think when you're a teenager in your 20s, you know, that's a time to try a lot of different things. You know, whether it's, you know, it's travel or it's different business ideas different, you know, career paths, but it's, it's, it's when you get a little bit older and you find that thing that's kind of your fit and really, you know, it, it doesn't feel like work, you know, that's the time to really focus. And that's kind of what we did, you know, in our earlier years, you know, we talked about, I used to do some video stuff and we actually used to do events too. We had this sports league and we used to do concerts and had a lot of fun with that. Try lots of things and see what's the fit. All right, Colton, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Blake. <laughs> so uh, I think it's important that we start with you telling me a little bit about Lads in the Wild and uh, why that's <laughs> such an important tradition. Uh, well, for, for me and my friends uh, that I got close with after college in my 20s, uh, we're pretty spread out across Canada at, at this point, all across the country. And uh, we, we started a tradition quite a while back where we all commit to, to, to coming home to the East Coast, to Atlanta, Canada, where I'm from. Uh, once a summer, we all get together for, you know, three or four days kind of off grid. And kind of as we have all grown up and, you know, our careers develop, developed and, you know, stresses and, and, and that sort of thing mount. Uh, it's, it's really something that we look forward to. It's one of the highlights of the year. I, I say Christmas in the summer uh, for us. So uh, a few nights away, uh, ex excited. All my friends will be kind of flying in from across the country and uh, we are headed to Cape Breton for a, for a weekend of camping. We're really excited. Yeah, I know it's one of those things that I definitely don't get together. It's it's a rare tradition nowadays, for sure. I, I see it and I'm uh, envious in your yearly recap on uh, Instagram or Facebook, wherever <laughs> it happens to land. But uh, you, I know a lot of guys sort of struggle to maintain friendships sort of across distance and time, like you're saying. Seemingly, you've still got this group of about 10 or 15 guys or so together that still sort of participate in this tradition. Is there anything that you can sort of point to as as a reason uh, why the lads are still together? Well, I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of studies that point to the fact that, you know, millennials are you know, one of the lon loneliest generations, uh, you know, especially as we've gotten older. You know, we live in this hyper-connected world where we're connected via technology, but, you know, the, the average person's number of true friends has actually decreased by each dec uh, decade as time's gone by. And for us, I think one of the things that drew us together uh, that made us really good friends, and it, like I said, it was after college. Uh, you know, I think when we grow up, we all have those friends that grew up on our street or that, you know, we were friends of convenience with in high school because we were in the same place. And, you know, perhaps we had similar interests. Uh, for, for me and, you know, the guys that I'm closest with, I think a big part of it is that we didn't just become friends because we were necessarily in the same place. We actually shared a lot of common interests. Um, yeah, and listen, I'm, I'm a really lucky guy um, that especially because just life has gotten so busy uh, with work and professional kind of commitments over the past few years that it's something that, you know, we've been able to kind of keep together and keep doing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's really an opportunity for us to recharge. Um, I think it's something that, you know, whenever you do have the opportunity, you know, to, I guess, get away from technology for a few days with people that you really care about. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's great kind of for your for your energy and recharges the batteries. Yeah, I think I read a, something, I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, uh, about the fact that since like 1980, the number of guys who report having like 
any sort of close friendships at all has gone from from I don't remember what the number was, but to almost like 40% of guys saying that they have zero close friends. So it's yeah, yeah. definitely it's, a struggle. Yeah, like it, and I think there's there's a lot of factors that play into it, but you, you got to think that, you know, the emergence of smartphones like technology has played a part of it. Um, you know, I think it's something that we have to put a lot more kind of emphasis on and, you know, checking in with your friends, you know. Um, yeah, so like I said, I'm a, I'm a pretty lucky guy. Uh, we look forward to it all year and, you know, Christmas and Christmas in July is coming up. Uh, the, the weather forecast isn't looking so good this year. It's always a bit of a roll of the <laughs> dice. Um, but we o o over the years, we've kind of gone up market with our Airbnbs and the lake houses. Uh, so we have lots of space inside as well. We we sort of got connected through a mutual friend based on both of our common interests at the time, pulling on that thread of of travel and, and videography at the time. What sort of prompted your journey into videography, I guess? That, that's, that's an interesting story, one that I haven't thought about in a while. Um, you know, and I think it's intrinsically, it's, it's tied to the travel thing. I, I had just finished college and uh, I, I worked a corporate job for a while that was, you know, pretty satisfying. Uh, it, was, it was a temporary contract and after a three-month period, I had an opportunity uh, presented for a full-time permanent position. And, you know, I was a marketing grad and I had what I thought was the marketing grad's dream job. Uh, you know, it was, it was great pay, it was engaging people to work with and, and, and cool projects. Um, at the time, I still had this kind of side business that I had been building since high school that I did at night. Uh, and I always told myself that I wanted to go travel and backpack. Uh, and I had a couple of friends that were, were chatting about a trip going down south and they ended up dropping out. Um, so I, I was kind of faced with a bit of fork in the road one night if I was going to take this permanent contract uh, and work in the corporate world. Uh, and I decided to say thanks, but no thanks. Uh, and took a little bit of time off for myself. And uh, I booked a one-way ticket to Central America. Uh, I left 24 hours after I turned 21 on a one-way ticket to Nicaragua. Uh, didn't speak any Spanish. Still, still don't. A uh, little, little bit. Uh, and, and it was actually funny, a couple of days before, uh, a friend uh, had, had just mentioned, you know, they said, you know, I've, I've, got, I've got a GoPro, I don't really use it much. You know, you're welcome to take it on your trip if you want. Uh, and, you know, it's, 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 it's a long time ago, you know, uh, social media wasn't really where it is now. Like Instagram, I think it was like a 15 second time cap. And I had a blast, you know, traveling Nicaragua, Honduras and making these absolutely horrible quality, you know, like 15 second videos for Instagram, you know, cut, to, you know, to music that I liked at the time. Uh, and I, you know, you kind of get caught in that positive feedback loop and you're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, and you know, over time, uh, you know, is when I got back from that trip, I made the jump to working for myself full time. And, you know, I started working in, uh, my parents' basement and then, you know, we eventually got a, a rundown shop where we're in screen printing and embroidery now. Um, and we were in a very cyclical business where it would be very busy in the summer and the fall, but you know, in, in the dead of winter in January, February, March, it'd be super, super quiet. So I had a pretty fun thing going for a few years where during those really quiet months, I, I had the opportunity to go travel and backpack. And, you know, one thing kind of leads to another, uh, you know, you, you jump from the, the crappy GoPro to like, you know, a slightly better phone. And then, you know, you're. You know, every, everyone gets a Canon Rebel at, at one point. Everyone probably remembers that time. Uh, and then eventually I became a Sony guy. I had an A7S Mark II. 
uh, and you know that that pretty well takes me into probably around kind of the time period that we met. You know, I had been traveling in Asia and, and, and Thailand and surrounding countries for a while, and became friends with some hostel owners because um, literally I was just at their hostel making these videos for fun. Um, and you know, as a lot of folks you know that have kind of traveled that area, you know, um, a lot of Westerners over there, some pretty cool party hostel brands. Um, and eventually just got, kind of got to the point that I could pay for my trips and, you know, establish relationships with some chains uh, across Southeast Asia and bring me out for video projects. And I think that's around the time that we would have met. So had, had a ton of fun. Um, it wasn't, you know, the, the forever job by any means. Uh, but yeah, it, it kind of ties in with the travel. Um, yeah, don't get to do it as much as I, I like anymore. How, how, how about you? Uh, uh, kind of on the flip side of that. Yeah, I mean, I think mine was also very similar to your situation, maybe a little bit prompted prior to the trip. But uh, I told this story in a newsletter a couple weeks ago of how I sort of got into videography and wanting to travel and all that. And I remember watching, and this kind of comes full circle to the the concert that I was at last weekend, but... Uh, I ended up watching a video in, must have been in 2017, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, and it's uh, Sam Colder's My Year 2016 video. Ah, yeah, and I remember yeah. <laughs> watching that video, and the soundtrack to that video is uh, Elenium's Reverie, and I don't you know. know what I, I remember the exact video and the exact song that you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who is into the travel videography at that time knows what that video is. So it's kind of cool that everybody has that sort of shared, uh, this is what got me started thing. But yeah, it was definitely yeah. that video. And from there, I started picking up uh, some videography stuff from people like Roy Kramer or um, oh, who was the big uh, GoPro guy at the time? His name was Chris something. Anyways, got into sort of photography videography as a hobby i immediately picked up uh, an a6300 was my first camera and then uh just sort of rolled from there figured i wanted to go travel sort of same situation as you was doing market marketing in a not so corporate position but in a full-time marketing position and said hey i'm gonna sort of bet on myself here and go travel and see if i can't uh make it on my own here for for a few months at least and get put up by some hostels and then sort of the rest was history. Yeah. And, and I think it's one of those skill sets that can take you so many different places and open so many different doors. You know, what it really meant to me was the opportunity to, you know, whether it was shooting at concerts or, you know, visiting these interesting places that you never would have had an opportunity, you know, to be in those rooms before. Um, opens a ton ton of doors um, and while over time I had to kind of move on to other things um, business wise uh, I actually have a, a brother who's about seven years younger uh, and he's actually a full-time videographer now so he's done the Asia thing a few times and he, he's, he's really uh, taken it and run with it definitely the same for me it, it for sure opened some doors and has definitely had some transferable skills to some of my other areas of the marketing world now even if only to know what I need in sort of a, a videography or a photography partner or um, when I'm looking to hire out a contractor or something for that at this point that, uh, yeah, it's definitely been a very helpful and transferable skill to have had. I watched through some of your 2018 videos or 2019 videos the other day on Instagram and it sort of fully brought me back to that time period. Like how special is it to 
create those and know you'll have sort of like this highlight reel from that period of your life in 30 years. It's, 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 it's really neat. And, and you don't necessarily realize at the time the significance that it's going to have. Um, but yeah, it's something where I, I, I don't go back super often to watch those. But the interesting thing with videography as kind of an art form is there, there's, you know, you're really able to capture a feeling sometimes in a way that you can't with a static photo. And uh, yeah, it's definitely brings you back to a time and captures a feeling. Um, so yeah, it's, it's I, looking back and there, there's a few years where I had done the year recap videos and, you know, it kind of just shows you over time kind of the progression and changes in your life. Um, the other thing that I do that I, you know, is, is really meaningful to me is, is, is each year at the end of the year, I'll actually take all my favorite photos, um, whether it's people, places, or things. Uh, and I, I get them made up into like just a photo book uh, with Vistaprint. You know, it's, and I'm sure there's lots of other sites that do them. Um, so I've got a stack of those, you know, going back, I think six or seven years on my shelf at home in my bedroom. And I would probably say those are probably some of my most prized possessions. I don't think it's the thing if my house is burning down, I'm going to grab those because I can get them reprinted. Um, but they uh, it, it kind of in a similar way, um, you know, you, you kind of go back and look at those memories. And I think it's kind of like it's a it's a, it's, it's a good way to kind of practice gratitude, you know, looking back and, you know, all those, you know, we get caught up in, you know, the stress and kind of the work cycle and everything. And it's easy to forget, you know, all the all the good times. Um, so, yeah, both video and, and, and photo really really cool skill set uh you know whether it's to make money discover new experiences and also just yeah just to kind of capture those memories and be able to look back on for sure i got uh for christmas uh i got uh my wife now uh, a one of the digital picture frames uh, you can't see nice. it's on the bar over there in the corner but uh it it's one of those things where it's, it serves the same purpose, right? You get all yours printed and put in a book so that you can look at them more often. But um, I think that the digital picture frame really helped for us too, is just being able to throw some pictures on there. And, and like you say, be able to, to relive them in the moment instead of having to pull your phone out and scroll through your phone and, and sort of disconnect that way a little bit. So it's been nice. Yeah, sure. yeah exactly. And, and that is kind of the, you know, the challenge when it comes to media kind of like on your phone and devices, it's like, how do you actually enjoy it without, you know, the ping of the notifications? Yeah. Uh, Cause I feel like so many of our devices now are designed to distract us and to take us out of the moment. Um, I think one of the cool things with, you know, if you're shooting video at a concert or something like that, you're very much, you're in the moment and taking it in. What's the biggest life lesson you picked up while traveling? If there's a single thing, I think, especially solo travel, you know, really helps you start to understand who you are. Um, you know, I think it was, it was after my 21st birthday when I went on that first solo trip and like, that was kind of when I came into my own, you know, it's when you're a couple thousand miles from anyone who knows your name, you know, you really have to kind of take a look at yourself and, and start to understand who you are. You know, I think it makes you comfortable, you know, developing new relationships and sort of thing in a way that you really don't get. <laughs> you know, growing up in Canada in a lot of ways, especially in a small town, like where I'm from on the East coast, you know, or when you go to university, you're very much, your social network is, you know, based on the people that you're just kind of put in the same place as. Um, so I think it, yeah, it's, it's those social skills. It's taking a hard look at kind of understanding who you are and who you want to be. Um, and just being open to new experiences, 
you know, I think that's, you know, it's one of those things that makes life worth living. And, uh, you know, it's, I guess we all have the same, you know, similar number of days on this earth, uh, um, or I guess a similar number of hours in the day. And it's like, how are you going to use them? I think that was definitely something for me. Like you say, those friends of convenience from, from earlier on in your life and then deciding who you want to be and traveling puts you in a situation to be able to not only present yourself in a way that you want other people to see you, but also puts you in uncomfortable situations that you wouldn't otherwise be in, um, to sort of allow your, another side of you to come out. So, and, and I think that kind of like being, get, getting to a point where you can be comfortable with putting yourself into your comfort zone, you know, that that's, that's a muscle that, you know, you have to kind of work, work at, you know, it's a skill to grow. And I think it's something that, you know, as time's gone by has really helped me on kind of the professional side of myself, my, my life as an entrepreneur, um, because certainly, well, you know, I started our company pretty young. It's, it's been a series of kind of risks, you know, as we've, we've gone on and we've grown. Uh, and I think it's, yeah, like I said, it's, it's kind of a muscle that you grow, uh, and, and traveling is, it's really one of those things that, you know, like if you don't have a set career path after high school, something that you're really, truly passionate about. You know, I think a lot of people would benefit from taking a bit of time off before they just jump into university or something like that. Uh, you know, my, my brother did the same thing. He actually, uh, shortly before he graduated high school, he went to Asia to backpack for the first time. Uh, and I think, well, I, I can certainly say that, you know, through my travels, I definitely learned more in terms of social skills and people, kind of those soft skills than I probably did throughout my years at college. For sure. I didn't it's learn Photoshop those... like I did in college, but yeah, <laughs> the, the soft skills, you know, you learn in those places. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are more important anyways, especially like you're talking about on your entrepreneurial journey. It's one of those, uh, the university of life sort of deals instead of, uh, actually going in and taking courses. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so you've alluded to it a couple times now, um, but we'll get into your story as an entrepreneur here, uh, at stay golden custom clothing. And you sort of started this company by accident in uh, your senior year of high school. Where did that idea originate from? And can you tell me a little bit about how that sort of got off the ground? So we celebrated our 11 year anniversary earlier this year. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, and, you know, kind of the origins of the company, uh, kind of like you mentioned, it was kind of accidental entrepreneurs and started my senior year of high school. We had a sporting event that we we're managing and there's, uh, you know, a, a sponsor hadn't came through and, you know, there's a need for shirts for the winners and, you know, myself and a few friends, you know, put together this idea of a company and started as a retail clothing brand called Stay Golden Custom at, you know, pretty small scale and sold our own t-shirts and crew neck sweaters out of our backpacks in the student council office. And, you know, it was, Probably it was in the, the year after that, uh, my two original partners had moved on to other things and I bought them out, uh, that we started getting these small little requests, Facebook messages for sets of custom hoodies or, or, or jackets or something for say a hockey team or a school group. Uh, and at that time we didn't have our own printing presses, but you know, we design it and we'd ship it in and we get, you know, a print shop to print it. Um, and that's just something that kind of, uh, just became my continual little side hustle, you know, when I went through my college years. Uh, and it was never really supposed to be, you know, the main thing. Um, I do come from a family of entrepreneurs and that's kind of, you know, the environment that I grew up in, 
Like if you were to ask me in high school if someday I'd work for myself, probably. Um, I don't think anyone, including myself, thought that the little t-shirt thing we did in grade 12 was going to be the career. Uh, you know, funny how those things work out. Um, but yeah, so, it's, you know, like it, it just became this consistent thing that became more and more steady, you know, and it, it was that time after college, right around when I started traveling, that I decided to kind of make that gamble you know, gamble and kind of bet on myself. And I, I like the odds uh, to try to make a go of it. Uh, you know, and that meant taking, you know, a loan for some equipment. Uh, you know, my parents are very supportive, but nothing's free in our household. So I was able to borrow the same 10 grand from my parents three times with interest each time. Uh, nothing's free. Uh, but they, they let me set up the equipment and print in their basement. Uh, I wasn't even living at home at the time. I just needed shop space. Uh, and, you know, I was there for probably six months. I think they were pretty sick of me uh, because I'd print till like 3, 4 a.m. You know, you go through every entrepreneur kind of goes through that, you know, that there's some pretty tough months and years of, you know, when you're pretty well running as, as, as one person, um, you know, and in our, in our business, there's always deadlines. So I was the marketing, I was the sales, and I was also production. Uh, but pretty soon, you know, we got to the point that, uh, I say we, it was, it was just a <laughs> one-man show at that point, uh, but moved to a shared workspace in a loft uh, above my favorite coffee shop in downtown uh, Charlottetown. And then eventually, uh, it's probably about a year after that, um, we were ready kind of for our own shop space and had hired our first employee uh, and moved to... <laughs> It was a Kijiji listing that my parents had sent me, and I didn't take seriously at the beginning. It kind of looked like a bit of a dump, but it was it was it was a garage in the north end of Charlottetown, um, a little rough around the edges. Uh, but that was you know it was the first real physical location for the business. It's probably like 2014, 2015 at that time, and you know eventually the team grew and we we renovated it and spruced it up a bit, and then eventually took over the second floor of that building. Uh, and then, you know, as kind of the company grew and I think the, the company grew up as we did as well. You know, we started with sports teams and schools and stuff. And then over time, you know, now our focus is definitely working with kind of uh, brands. You know, we do a lot of breweries, corporate, you know, uh, CrossFit gyms and that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, eventually it would have been. 2020, uh, we had got to the point that our, our lease was coming up and we needed more space. So we actually bought our own facility. Um, we moved about 15 minutes outside the city uh, in Charlottetown. And uh, we've been in the same building ever since. Uh, it was a pretty cool setup for the first couple of years. Uh, the shop was actually on the bottom level and I had a condo on the, uh, the second level. So it's one of those things where work never has to stop. It can go all the time. Uh, but eventually uh we needed more space and uh, we'd actually approached the neighbors about buying their building but they, they they weren't interested uh so last fall uh with some pretty big equipment purchases on the way and nowhere to put them uh, i had to evict myself from the condo so <laughs> I, I i moved out uh, and then the company took over the second floor and we busted down a bunch of walls uh put in a boardroom some office space and uh, i'm actually sitting in my what was once my bedroom that's now our, our boardroom now uh, so yeah, we're, there, there's about 10 of us now. We're having a lot of fun growing pretty quick and uh, growing, trying to kind of transition from being just a Prince Edward Island based company uh, to one that's maritime and Atlantic Canadian wide. 
uh, and a big chunk of our sales are now across Eastern Canada. So it's been a really fun process. Uh, and certainly over this past few years, as the company's gotten more mature uh, and the team's grown, uh, having a lot of fun with it. That's good. It's one of those things where you probably wouldn't still be doing it if you weren't having fun with it. So it's kind of the thing, like, you know, you really have to be passionate about it. Um, you know, I, I have a few friends that are a bit earlier, you know, in their entrepreneurial journey and yeah, like any rational person would probably drop an idea after a few years, uh, you know, when you're three, four years in and making less than minimum wage because you're, you know, you're working around the clock. Uh, but you know, I, I really think that it's, you know, the freedom that it gives you, you know, uh, is something that, you know, is really hard to find in other places. Uh, and it, you know, it's just for, you know, for a lot of people, it, it's kind of in the, the space that we're in, it gives us an opportunity to be creative and work with clients that we really like. It's just, it, it's, it's really fulfilling and we have yeah, a lot of fun with it. For sure. I think I'm on my, I don't know, third or fourth iteration of whatever this entrepreneurial journey is now. So, I mean, at, at one point I even tried to do clothing. This is one of only two pieces of clothing that I ever printed nice. for myself, but, uh, it, uh, I don't, let me say, I don't want your entrepreneurial journey. I'll, <laughs> I'll stay out of the heavily competitive market that is clothing, but, uh, no, for sure. It, it's like I said, this is my third or fourth try at this entrepreneurial thing. And e each time I've tried it so far, there's always like an interest, but there's never really the love of it. And I think I've finally found something, at least I hope that, um, is sort of finally filling that, uh, I really love this and I could do this if I wasn't getting paid for that. So, um, starting awesome. this podcast was part of that. And, uh, for sure. I just really love having conversations with interesting people and, and, uh, doesn't feel like work. And I, I love getting to, to talk to interesting people. So, um, I was planning on starting the podcast two years ago, as is always the case. You always wish you did the thing sooner, but uh, here we are. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's one of those things that, you know, you mentioned kind of a couple different iterations. I, I think that, you know, especially your earlier 20s is the time to try a lot of different ideas, you know, and to see what sticks, you know, and it's, you know, when you, as time goes by, you find that thing that you're really passionate about, like what you talked about that, you know, it, it doesn't feel like work. You know, and when you're able to, you know, find that thing and then find what you can monetize at the same time, then, you know, you probably got something with legs. There's something to be said about sort of the way you went about growing your business and a lot of the way that entrepreneurship online today is is glorified is how can I build this thing, monetize as fast as possible, raise five million dollars and then sell for like 50 how do you feel when you see that contrasted with the way that you know that you built your business from sort of the ground up incrementally, as you said? Um, yeah, I'll leave that open-ended. Yeah, there's, I try to stay away from, you know, kind of that whole sphere of the internet, you know, the, the entrepreneurial hustle culture on Instagram. It's not really us. Um, I think we took uh, a bit more, we we're a bit more, not, I wouldn't say conservative with risk over time, um, but we really tried to be aware of not overextending ourselves. Uh, in 2015, I was a part of a startup accelerator uh, for tech-oriented companies on the East Coast called Propel ICT. And that really exposed me to that startup world and, and seeking out venture capital and that sort of thing. 
And being through that program for, I think it was somewhere between 10 and 15 weeks actually really cemented for me that that wasn't what we wanted, you know, high, super, super fast growth with VC funding. Um, but with, you know, a lot of companies blowing up or, or going bankrupt for us, it's been about, you know, creating something that will last. Um, you know, we want to create, you know, like, I, I think it's good that, you know, we're creating something good for our community. You know, we want to be a great place to work for our staff. Um, and I guess also just like, we would rather grow a bit slower, um, than, you know, perhaps some of these VC funded rocket ships in the print on demand space. Um, but actually maintain a good quality of life for us. I think there's a good balance. Um, so for us, like we've been, you know, more measured with our growth. Um, we did, you know, we had our biggest expansion kind of to date in the last year. We made some pretty big investments in automating our screen print division and a lot of our pre-production. Um, so it's, we've got more comfortable with that risk over time, you know, as the team's gotten bigger and more mature and, and management's got more mature. But I think it's something that, you know, you look at a lot of the content online and the YouTube gurus, they, they glorify it. It's, it's not about, you know, the luxury goods or cars or anything like that. You know, anyone who's, who's done this and who's been in it for 10 years knows that, you know, there's a lot more late nights and it's, 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 it's anything but glamorous. Uh, you know, like I said, our first office was office was, was a pretty, was pretty rough around the edges. Uh, but for us that, you know, starting in the basement, starting the garage, it was a bit of a badge of honor. We wanted to do it step by step, you know, and take our time. Um, but listen, every journey is different. Um, you know, over the last year, I've been a part of a program, uh, at the university of new Brunswick called the Wallace McCain Institute, which is a bit of, it's almost like an MBA for entrepreneurs. Uh, and they take 15 entrepreneurs from Atlantic Canada each year, you know, all different ages, all different areas and all different types of companies and stages of growth, you know, and, and through that program over the last year and getting really close with those people, you know, there's, you know, there's a thousand different ways, you know, to get to, you know, where you may want to be as an entrepreneur. And, you know, sometimes that's with external funding. Sometimes it's not. I think we're pretty lucky that there was a lower barrier to entry, you know, in our industry where we didn't have to go seeking funding right away. That's not the case in every industry, you know, some that are more capital intensive. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get there. Um, but we're pretty grateful that, you know, we didn't have to go seek any major outside funding and sell off equity in the business. So like you said, you, uh, and I saw that you had posted a bit about your involvement in the Wallace McCain Institute, um, on Instagram. It was a couple weeks back now. Can you speak a little bit to the importance of being in the same room with other like-minded people? Absolutely. There, there's a quote I heard once that it's, I think it's that, you know, you become the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And, you know, I think as our lives get a lot busier, as you know, you get a bit older, you know, it's really important to be intentional with your time and who you're spending it with. Uh, so, you know, over the last year, getting to join the Wallace McCain Institute and their entrepreneurial leaders program. It's been really meaningful and impactful for me. And, and something that's pretty neat about their approach is that they look at entrepreneurship as something where you're never actually going to be able to divide just your work life and your personal life. There's never going to be that perfect balance. So they take a one life approach where, you know, it, it, within our sessions, everything's on the table and, you know, they operate under kind of 
confidentiality, you know, so people are actually able to be, you know, open, um, which is something that you probably wouldn't find at the Chamber of Commerce or, you know, a traditional MBA program. But I think for entrepreneurs, you know, it, it can be a really isolating journey, um, you know, and even when times are good, something that a lot of us notice is that, you know, as you get further along that journey, it actually can kind of feel more and more isolating. Uh, you know, and I look at my friends around me that, you know, have great careers, uh, you know, engineers and, you know, in different industries, but, you know, kind of the, when it comes to entrepreneurship, you deal with a lot of, you know, unique challenges uh, that you're not, you're not particularly able to really talk to a lot of the people around you about. So I think it's, you know, for people that have gone that path, it's, it's really important and really valuable to find a peer group that you can talk to about that stuff. You know, and sometimes it's informal, sometimes it's more structured, uh, but for me, uh, the Wallace McCain Institute's been that, and uh, it's it's been really transformational for our company and you know for me personally. Yeah, I think I'm sort of in that first early stage of of that entrepreneurial section here. Of I'm in sort of the same place of looking at a bunch of my friends doing whatever else they're doing, like you say, in in their various careers, and um, obviously still have my day job at this point, but starting to branch out and and learn. Uh, how to actually go about uh, surrounding myself with some of these people. So it was good, definitely good that we got to connect and we'll have to maybe make sure to keep in touch more often as I uh, go along this journey here. But I recently joined a little bit of an online class sort of thing to uh, again, participate in a little bit of that being surrounded by people who are on the same journey. And that's definitely been super helpful. So yeah, absolutely. It, it really does make all the difference. And one thing that's that's really nice is that, you know, one of the benefits of this hyper-connected world that we're in is that you're able to connect with people in different cities that are doing similar things. So for us, while kind of on the entrepreneurial side and just general business, WMI has been that, um, you know, on the kind of the screen printing and the clothing side, you know, through going to trade shows in the States, there's, you know, Long Beach is a big one in our industry. Uh, myself and, you know, our, our, our management team, we've actually got the chance to, you know, become pretty good friends with some other shop owners across Canada. Uh, and, it, and it's cool that, you know, whether you're in a space like photography or videography, marketing or screen printing, um, I think that's been something that's really helped our business um, because we're in different cities in Canada and pretty spaced out, but we're able to kind of, you know, keep in touch, you know, and kind of help kind of coach and troubleshoot problems that, you, that we, we have on kind of both sides. Shit, that's coastal rain. But uh, yeah, it's uh, exciting times in that way. I'm sure there were a few people earlier on in your career that sort of looked at you a little bit confused when they were meeting with a teenager to talk business. Was there still anything do. that... <laughs> I'm sure that was my next still, point. Still working on the, 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 the yeah, mustache and the facial yeah, yeah, hair. Yeah. Was there when anything... on the wrong side of 25, the baby face <laughs> to you know, be a good thing. <laughs> For sure. Was there anything that sort of helped you overcome any of those those funny looks that you've had as, as sort of a young founder as you've become more successful here? I think you overcompensate, you know, when you're young to try to be taken seriously. Um, you know, like I, if I look back at, uh, you know, when I was in that uh, startup accelerator in 2015, I look at the pitches and it's like, you know, I'm trying to use all these big words, you know, then eventually you learn. It's like, how do you explain things as simple as possible? You know, in as few word, words as possible, that's actually, you know, having mastery of something. Uh, you know, I, yeah, it's just, I think 
it's something where there's inher inherent advantage in, in starting early, you know, if, and if there's anyone listening to this, that, you know, thinks that journey may be for them or that, you know, they have an idea, you know, the, the sooner, the better. Um, it's, it's really something where as time's gone by, we've come to realize that one of our biggest advantages is that we started, you know, early, you know, and like most things in life, you know, progress compounds over time, you know, it's kind of that constant iteration, um, that I think's been the biggest kind of thing that's helped us improve, um, kind of bouncing all around here, but, um, does that answer the question? <laughs> I kind yeah. of I danced around it a bit. You mentioned it briefly, but you've sort of made some massive investments in yourself in the last couple of years in the form of, of new equipment and new space. And how how hard is it to sort of develop that bet on yourself mentality as you sort of started just uh, after you finished up your college career? Well, 11 years and counting. <laughs> uh, I guess for us, like I said earlier, we, we're, we're, we try to be quite measured when we make those investments, uh, you know, and it, it's typically, it's, it's based on customer feedback. Um, we have been growing really fast over the past few years. I think there was a year we are over 70% growth and over 90% growth in sales. I think we we're between 50 and 60 this last year. Uh, and, and that's, you know... It, trying to be conservative with our growth. Um, last year was really interesting. It was a marathon. Uh, and something that we've come to realize is as an organization gets bigger um, with each step, uh, it does get much more complex. Uh, so for us, that meant that the, the, the timeline in ordering this equipment was quite a bit longer uh, than we were used to. It wasn't something where it was, you order it, it would show up in a few weeks. It was actually, I think it was seven, eight months and part of that is, you know, the supply chain with COVID. I think they were short one chip on the giant machine, you know, so it, it didn't ship for months. Um, but then having to have the walls moved by the time that landed and all the different subcontractors associated with that and, you know, flying out technicians uh, to do the install and the training. Uh, and actually even recently in May, we, we flew in a consultant from Ontario to help train and coach some of our operators on kind of how to, you know, increase our capacity and our efficiency with the machines. So as, as time's gone by, certainly the projects have got bigger, longer, more complicated, many, many lists and action items. Uh, and, and it can be a little tricky when it gets to that size. Um, you know, I'm, I'm someone who does love those lists that, you know, break down a project step by step and how do, you know, how do we get it done? you know, in a few weeks so we can check it off and get a little hit of dopamine. Um, but as the, you know, when you're working on, you know, these big complicated projects, um, you know, and, and with so many components, whether it's again, the physical machinery, the renovations needed, or, you know, new hires associated with that, um, the standard operating procedures, it, it's certainly been a new experience. Um, and also kind of as, you know, the, the workload outgrows an individual um, and transitioning to kind of a full management team perspective. Uh, it's It's been a big learning experience over the last, you know, I'll say, I'll say a year and a half now we've been going through this process. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're, we're forever thinking that we're done, you know, the kind of the growth and the expansion. Um, but it's, uh, 
Yeah, it's kind of this this game where you build more capacity and then sales is catching up. You're trying to kind of always have that balance, you know, without overextending yourself, you know, when it comes to staffing and, and you know, and spending, um, you know, with, with this recession that we've been told for the last year is supposed to be here. We're still not seeing it, you know, things are busier than ever. Um, but also just trying to be aware, you know, in growing, going through this growth phase that, you know, with interest rates going up and, you know, are things going to start cooling off and, you know, how do we make ourselves recession proof or resistant, you know, in a way that all our, you know, our people are, you know, secure and that sort of thing. Uh, and that we can weather that. That was what, what COVID was supposed to be. Um, but, you know, we ended up busier than ever. We also couldn't face masks and we pivoted pretty quickly. Yeah, it's de there's definitely something to be said about uh, the recession-proof uh, mentality and, and not getting out too far over your skis. And, and that's what that slow growth allows you to do. Um, I think especially given that we've been talking about some of the glorification of, of entrepreneurial success online. And a lot of young guys are sort of wading into this water of is entrepreneurship for them. And most of everything you see online is sort of these just uh, like chain of success after success after success. And from your from your story, obviously, we've talked about the slow growth and probably hasn't led to some of the catastrophic failures that you see uh, where companies just blow up or when you were talking earlier about the VC funding and companies just exploding and going to zero. But I know that entrepreneurial journeys are not without challenges or, or learning opportunities. So what's maybe one uh, mistake or learning opportunity that you've had um, in your entrepreneurial journey that, that might be of use to, um, a younger guy or girl who's looking to, to get into something like this. We, we, we have them every day, you know, we're, we're in an industry where, you know, to produce a, a project for a client, you know, there's a thousand different variables, there's important timelines, you know, and as we've grown, you know, there, there's, there's always going to be challenges. I think the one takeaway, you know, is, is that, you know, every, you know, challenge or, you know, failure is, is something that it, it's, it's a learning opportunity. So we actually try to view these things that, you know, if a mistake is made on an order, it's, it's, it's not a people problem. It's actually a process problem. So we try to look at, you know, anytime we have a mistake or we're fixing something, first off, we go above and beyond to make it right for the client. Um, you know, and, and, you know, loyalty is actually built in resolution is, is something that uh, someone in our industry has said, you know, and, and I really resonated with me. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that every time you make a mistake, it, it's, it's an opportunity to actually look at the, you know, what is our process around this and how do we ensure that's airtight in the future and document it um, so that we can actually do this on autopilot the same way and have a process each time you know, to ensure it doesn't happen again. You know, they're all just learning, you know, it's, it's all just education. Sometimes it's more expensive. <laughs> um, you're going to get your education whether you pay for it in school or you pay for it in mistakes that you make in your career. Uh, <laughs> the jury's still out on what you're going to spend more on. They're not going to give you student, <laughs> student loans for the, you know, the expensive mistakes oh, uh, that you make in entrepreneurship. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that would be the takeaway, I, I think, yeah. 
where or when I read it exactly, but something to the effect of without uh, a standard operating procedure, you don't have a company, you just have a job. So yeah. being able to put put things into procedures to make things repeatable is that's a fantastic takeaway for sure. Yeah, and and something that I came to realize is that you know for the first kind of half of our company's history, it's you know I, I was self-employed, you know, and, and we had a small team. But the company didn't run if I wasn't here. You know, everything it's it comes to a point uh, where you have to get all that knowledge out of a founder's head and it has to get down on paper and become processes or. Yeah, you don't have a company. You have a you know the golden handcuffs, um, and I think a lot of companies get trapped you know in that kind of area, uh, you know. And it's delegation never came naturally to me. You know, I'm someone that typically would have my hands and everything, and you know, <laughs> my staff will Enjoy tell you that. Enjoy yeah, um, but but this last I would say this last three years in particular has been you know a, a time when there's been a shift uh, in terms of. You know, I specifically actually try to take myself out of a lot of processes uh, and, and, and you have to do that. You know, you have to be, we have great people, you know, that are motivated and great at their jobs, you know, and it's something where I just have to get it of the way, you know, uh, equip them with right information, you know, trust them and, you know, the right process. Uh, and that is, you know, it's a slow process with lots of challenges bit by bit you know, as you go through it, but you know, that's, that is the cost of freedom at the end of the tunnel, you know, to, to have built not just, you know, a job, self-employment, but actually have built a company that, you know, I, I play a role in, uh, you know, and, in, in, in building process and, and, and the future growth of the company. Uh, but the company itself actually, you know, runs the same, whether I'm in the building or not. And we, we have lots of, like, you know, we run off monday.com as an operating system and, you know, Slack and all those things. So, you know, typically I'm always connected, whether I'm in the building or not, to a certain degree. Um, but, yeah, we've had a big change uh, over the past two years, I would say, in, you know, that, you know, I guess maturity as an organization. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's, it was something that we had to go through that process at some time. Um, and I'm really glad that, you know, we've started to make those steps. Yeah. Well, I think it's working out for you because, uh, you've been nominated and won a handful of, of awards now in Atlantic Canada here, whether it's chamber of commerce awards or what have you, um, what do you think? Um, and this might sound a little weird, but what do you think makes the East coast so underrated and why are you making a bet there other than the fact that you're from the east coast i'll tell you man atlantic canada is my favorite place in the world there's no better place to be in the summer you know it's it's a little, little chilly and snowy in the winter uh but it's it's home um but you know i think it's a it's a profoundly great place you know to to you know to grow up and you know the story that we were told here on the east coast as we were growing up was that you did have to move away to to ontario or to out west for opportunities uh, but there's been a big shift, you know, in, in the last, you know, five years, the East Coast has started to actually become one of the fastest growing areas of the country, you know, so PEI is the fastest growing province per capita. Uh, the other Atlantic provinces aren't far behind. Uh, Halifax, you know, where we do some work, and I, I have uh, spent quite a bit of time there as well, is now the fastest growing city per capita in the country, is my understanding. Um, so there's been this big shift 
And I had the opportunity to speak with, um, so UPI's Business Society does a luncheon each year. Uh, and I spoke with the crowd there. And that's really what I focused on is this, this change um, where, you know, we have so many people moving, not, not only from outside the country, but from other parts of Canada. You know, we've actually now been discovered you know, and, and, you know, business and industry is, is growing really quick here as well. Um, so I, I think that, that, you know, there's never been a better time, you know, to be on East Coast. We have a lot of folks that are moving out here uh, and it's, it's a really exciting place to be. I believe it. I uh, ran into my first year college roommate, guy who I was really good friends with in high school um, last weekend or week before. And uh, he and his wife have just moved out to Fredericton and uh nice. he's a doctor yeah. and so it's it, i can see the shift happening for sure yeah and, and i mean like you know there's some big things like you know the cost cost of living can be quite a bit lower out here you know people are really friendly uh you know you're a lot closer to nature you know where i'm from on prince edward island you drive about 15 minutes any direction you know you can be at the beach and it's really one of those things it's like you know where can you you know leave your downtown office and be at the beach in 20 minutes uh, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's paradise in the summer. I'm a big fan. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's nice. In, you know, we talked about how we're in this era of connectivity with, with you know, technology, um, but also, you know, just in terms of, you know, transportation, um, you know, kind of with the advent of the lower cost carriers here in Canada. Flare is now becoming part of WestJet, but with Flare and Swoop, you know, for $49 uh, in a few hours, I can be downtown Toronto out of Charlottetown. Um, so, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs on the East Coast and, and some mentors of mine have kind of pointed that out. You know, if this is a great place to live, work and grow, but we have access to Toronto, we have access to the big, big markets. Um, so for our company, that, that balance has played really well because um, we do quite a bit of work in Ontario as well. There you go. I know you've gotten more into speaking a little bit as the business has grown and you talked about talking at uh, UPAI at their luncheon and, and a handful of other things. What advice do you generally try to give to the young entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs early in their journey as you talk to those, those crowds? Uh, I think it kind of depends on kind of the room that you're in, certainly. Um, but one thing that I kind of touched on a little bit earlier is you know, I think when you're a teenager in your earlier 20s, you know, that's a time to try a lot of different things. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, it's travel or it's, it's different business ideas, different, you know, career paths. Um, but it's, it's, it's when you get a little bit older and you find that thing that's kind of your fit and really, you know, it, it doesn't feel like work. You know, that's the time to really focus. Um, and that's kind of what we did, you know, in our earlier years, you know, we talked about, I used to do some video stuff and we actually used to do events too. We had this sports league and we used to do concerts and had a lot of fun with that. Um, but it's, you know, it's try lots of things and see what's the fit. And then, you know, there comes a time to really start to kind of narrow down it and focus. Uh, and then the other thing is just, you know, find mentors, you know, and peers. We, we, we talked about kind of the value of those peer networks. Um, but certainly, you know, I owe a great deal to a number of mentors in the business community on PEI that, you know, from the time I was in high school would take the time to have a coffee with me a few times a year, you know, and that's something where I try to pay it forward when I can, you know, it's the, the advice I was given was find a mentor, be a mentor, uh, and, you know, respect their time. Um, but I, I found that, you know, 
people are so generous with their time, uh, you know, when they see a younger entrepreneur that's going through, you know, those first steps and, you know, they're in the trenches. Um, and that's actually, it, it was a mentor that, you know, kind of made the introduction that I was able to join the Wallace McCain Institute. So that's been, you know, one, uh, you know, really kind of big, uh, big kind of life moment for me. So those, those are a couple of things, uh, but you know, it depends on the room and, you know, I think from the time of five, I was the kid that always had too much to say. So, you know, it's, uh, uh, as my friends say, I never met a microphone I didn't like. Yeah, that was definitely something that I picked up the uh, couple episodes back. I interviewed my uncle, who's a, a Grammy award-winning music producer. And he said that his favorite uh, moments on when he's producing or, or whatever he's doing, it's always when someone comes up to him after they're finished making the record and they say, you made me a better musician because I worked with you or I learned this thing that I didn't know before or something to that nature. It's not the making the hit records or, or putting out a good final product. It's part of that learning and the teaching that is really where the, the fulfillment comes, uh, as part of your career. So, yeah, exactly. It's all about relationships. Okay, last question. What is your favorite piece of brotherly advice that you've ever given? If he listens to any of it. Because uh, I know my brother does it. not. <laughs> doesn't listen to any of it. You know, and, and it's, it's interesting because I have some friends that, you know, have brothers that are, you know, maybe two years in the age gap. And, and it's a bit different when, you know, there's, there's a seven-year age gap. You know, I say, actually, it's only been this last few years that he actually seemed like a real, real person. Uh, but... <laughs> Well, I mean, the, the single biggest thing that I think, uh, you know, I, like I'm really proud of him uh, and also, you know, like jealous in the way that I got to like wish I had had the chance to do it was, um, you know, so I, I backpacked in my early mid 20s uh, and, I, and I remember um, so, so on PEI, you need 24 high school graduates or high school credits to graduate. If you do all your courses uh, by the end of first semester of grade 12, you have 20. Um, sorry, it's so need 20. You could get up to 24. So we actually figured out a way where he could do an independent study course his second half of grade 12 uh, and go backpack Asia for three months. Um, and I remember he kind of pitched it and that sort of thing. And it's like, hey, go for it. We'll, we'll, we'll see if they'll let you do that. Uh, and you know, to, to, I think everyone's surprised, not the least of which being my parents, uh, he actually got the green light, uh, from his, his school to go do that. Uh, so that was, you know, I was going over, you know, it, it could have even been a trip that I would have seen you, uh, and my brother actually flew over with me, you know, on a one way, uh, ticket into Bangkok and spent about two days with me before I went South to shoot video. And he got on a train uh, with some, I think, some Australian guys he had met to go north to Chiang Mai. Um, and, you know, that was something that, uh, you know, it's a pretty, pretty special life moment. But, uh, you know, he really grabbed the bull by the horns, you know. So it's, uh, you know, I'm a really proud brother. And, uh, you know, he's gone on to do a lot of really cool things in video and photography that I, I kind of didn't get the chance to do because I got tied up with the clothing thing. Uh, but, you know, he's rocking and rolling and self-employed now at a college. And, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty lucky to have him as a brother. If, uh, people want to connect with you or, uh, stay golden, where, where should, where should they go? So we're stay golden custom on Instagram. 
Restegold.ca, pretty easy to find on the internet. Uh, I'm at Colton Handerhan. Uh, it's a bunch of words. Maybe we can put it on the screen. Uh, C O L T I N. Because my mom wanted to be me to be a special snowflake. Um, but yeah, stay golden custom. It's probably the uh, the, the easiest place to find us. Uh, you know, and uh, always looking for new folks to work with. We ship Canada wide from the East Coast, uh, and always looking for people to chat with. You know, if you're ever on the East Coast, um, certainly reach out. I spend my time in Charlottetown and Halifax, and you know anyone that's interested in that entrepreneurial journey, always always down to grab a coffee and chat. Thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me, Blake. Really great to catch up. <laughs>